Hello, and welcome to Animation Celery. Crunchy conversations about classic cartoons. We're glow friends, and everywhere we go, our glow lights the way. I'm Matsy. And I'm Matsy's forever enemy, Micah. <laughs> so, on Animation Celery, we discuss and review cartoons. Ordinarily, we give each other assignments at the end of our segments. But this time, we agreed to watch the 2020 movie Wolf Walkers from Cartoon Saloon. We'll get to that in a bit. But first, the news. What is up, Matsy? Well, there's something that I really should have watched. Uh-huh. But I didn't. Oh. I've been a part of it, part of it is because it dropped during my work week. Okay. Like right at the beginning. And so I haven't I haven't been in the right mindset to sit and binge. As we are recording, I'm hoping to deal with it tomorrow. Okay. Um now maybe you are going to talk about it. Oh yes. I am. <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, uh, then we'll get to that. So I'll um, spoil all kinds of stuff for you if you like. Hooray. Hooray. Um, what have I watched? For some reason, I got into watching the uh, various YouTube works of animator Brad Neely. Are you familiar with him? I don't know. Brad Neely? Neely. Neely. With an N. Okay. Uh, probably best. Well, hard to say what he's best known for, but uh, you may know Baby Cakes and the Be Aggressive song at the role-playing tournament. Oh, okay. I, I know some of the... Yeah, okay. Like, he's got some famous kind of meme pictures. Yeah. So I'll recognize um, some of them, but I don't think I've watched well, his animation. Well, yeah. Well, the thing is, like, he he sort of memefied with his, his little YouTube animations um yeah I, according to the timeline on his on his site it started with a music video about george washington but then started introducing characters like baby cakes and the professor brothers frank and steve um which all culminated in, in him parlaying this into a cartoon series on adult swim called china illinois okay which went for three seasons um and is all right I like it. Um, I like his writing. Like he he has a cool style of he doesn't really animate per se. It's more like a slideshow. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I know the type of thing you're talking about. Where it's all like uh, over, uh, overly expressive instant poses. Right. Strong silhouettes kind of, and people doing campy kind of expressions and the like. A little bit. Yeah. 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 The thing I like about him is his writing. Uh huh. Like he a lot of his stuff the stuff on YouTube is, uh, has songs in it or, or, or interesting turns of phrase. Like the, <laughs> some of the stuff that he comes up with, like one of my favorite ones, this is a little crude, mm. but there's one of his things where baby cakes is talking about having, uh, Mongolian barbecue mm -hmm. or as he calls it, mongoloid barbecue. Ooh. And <laughs> he says, it made my poop sick. I was like a ripped bag of peat moss. Okay. Which, yeah. <laughs> which is a, ni <laughs> a nice little description there. The, um, the TV series China, Illinois, um, it has some of that too. I mean, it's, it, <laughs> it's one of my favorite things about it is that one of the characters, the, the idea of China, China, Illinois, I keep mispronouncing it. Mm. It's, it's about the worst college in America, the University of China, Illinois. Okay. And the the professor brothers, Frank and Steve, are history professors. Uh, the other main characters are their teacher's assistant, Pony, and Baby Cakes, who is... A, he's, he's the same age as the professor brothers, but is still a student because he's not very bright. But okay. he is also the son of the science professor, Leonard Cakes who is voiced by Jeffrey Tambor, which is pretty cool. Mm, but Globgore. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Globgore. <laughs> oh, you're there. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess I guess I knew that actually. Yeah. Um, but one of the other characters that recurs is the dean of the college, who is a muscle-bound, super rich jerk. And 
in a bit of inspired casting, he is played by Hulk Hogan. Oh, brother. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I mean, Hulk Hogan is a, a you know, I, I don't like him as a person, but it's, it's pretty <laughs> Separate decent. the art from the artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this <laughs> is, you know, if you want to, you know, you needed that, like, knowing who the Dean was, being like, okay, here's who's going to play him. Like, yeah, okay. Hmm. Um, there's some funny little bits of writing around that. Like he's, he's, he revels in how rich and cruel he is. Well, not cruel necessarily, but just like careless. Like there's, there's one episode, I think it's called Crow College where he decides that he's going to, he, he reads an article about how smart crows are Hmm. and decides that it is now the campus's job to teach crows because he wants them to, the secret of the episode is that he wants them to replace the the staff, the teaching staff. He's going to mm. replace them all with crows. Um, but there's a cute little gag in here where he's reading this article over breakfast in his like lavish mansion. And just as he's reading his, a butler comes up with like, you know, one of those silver dome things we were talking about last week. Right. And opens it up. And the food that he is serving him is barbecued poor people hands. <laughs> okay. Like, and he just, <laughs> is, He's he's got some good stuff on YouTube. I mean, right. some, some of it's, you know, it's, it's here and there. He has a second series, which has a really weird name that I can't remember. It's like four nonsense words, like Brad Neely's Scargnalen Scopio Peeplo or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. Brad Neely's Hard Nolan Sclopio Peepio. Peepio. Yeah, 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 that's the yeah. one. Yeah, it's just, it's just kind of a sketch, animated sketch thing. Hmm. Um, but he's, he's a pretty smart writer, I will say. Um, you know, you can go to his YouTube page and watch some of these videos. There's a, a a little two part thing back from, I guess it's from when YouTube only had a, like a 10 minute time limit on videos. Hmm. So called Fliff Night, which is good. There's, uh, some, some, uh, episodes about Baby Cakes' diary. Good stuff. I mean, it's, it's. It's fun to watch. And then if you want to go out of your way and watch China, Illinois, maybe that's something I'll make you watch someday. But sounds good. You know, the people yeah. out there can check out Brad Neely. I think it's the real Brad Neely on YouTube. Um, OK. And it's a pretty decent time. All right. So but now we have to cover the elephant in the room. The ho. What's his name? Hose nose. Nose hose. <laughs> Snout spout. That's the guy. Yeah. Um. Well, uh, yes, like you, I watched more New Adventures of He-Man. That's what you meant, right? <laughs> I had to see He-Man Deus Ex Machina arise from the broken horse statue. Okay, you had to watch the, the, the ultimate challenge. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which, which, which was also the tagline of WrestleMania Six in Ooh. Toronto, Ontario. Hulk Hogan versus the ultimate warrior. Well, Winner take I- all. Maybe I should watch some wrestling if it's got some miracles like this. I, my hope was that there'd be more uh, Messiah-like miracles out of He-Man, that that would be part of his retinue now. I, I could forgive him for not doing things like uh, hurling boulders to stop rushing water and that kind of thing. Right. If instead he was like doing the miracle of the loaves and fishes and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, Okay, so one interesting thing. I watched beyond that. Um, the episode after that five-part starting arc. Yes. We complained about Skeletor's eyes being, looking kind of ridiculous with, you know, whites of his eyes. And I tweeted a picture. People and, have seen how ridiculous yeah, Skeletor is. Right after episode five, instead his eyes are black with red dots in the middle like his action figure. Oh, Yes. So it makes you wonder if that was an animation error or if, you know, they produced those ones and then they felt like this is unacceptable. Skeletor looks like this. Now, have you watched other episodes to see if that one was the outlier? Or Well, here's the thing. Yes, and it is, but for a weird reason. Okay. In that episode, he discovers a crystal inside. Okay. It's really weird. Like they, <laughs> it begins with the mutants throwing Skeletor a party where they've gotten him a cake where the top is molded to be a bust of him. Uh, what? And they they seemingly want to thank him for all the good work he's done. 
You know, even though they didn't have ultimate <laughs> success, they can see that he's a real winner. But then what? strangely, it's like a fake out where it was all a ploy to gift to him a, a terrifying pet that would presumably be out of his control. Which he then reverses because he's a badass Skeletor and he uh, bends the pet to his will. Okay. But, yeah. So this just definitely sounds like the new adventures of He-Man already, right? <laughs> Yeah, I was, I was, I was, I said what twice because I was really confused as to why the mutants were impressed with Skeletor. Yeah. But I guess if it's, if it's a plot to actually bump him off. Yeah. But then he turns it around like this, this sounds like, this sounds like the relationship between Skeletor and the mutants that was signed, kind of set up in that first series. Kind of remarkable. They made that cake though. Anyway, the. He ends up chasing the pet deeper into the skull-shaped asteroid that was seen to be made for him. Yeah. And uh, he, he finds a crystal that powers people up. So hmm. in this plot, he's... It's kind of weird that Flog... I'd said before that Flog is like a reasonable leader, in fact. And he kind of is. Skeletor is trying to impress, like, hey, this, this crystal powers up our guys, so we should power them all up and have them eliminate He-Man. And Flog's like, I don't know, we, there might be side effects. Or, you know, he, when he analyzes it, he puts it to the test. It doesn't last long <laughs> enough. I'm not putting my mutants through that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But it comes through that uh, Skeletor eventually has a battle with He-Man on that asteroid. Um, and He-Man uh, destroys the crystal and caves in the place, right? But okay. here's the funny thing. You, you'd mentioned, and when we reviewed this show... That he, how many times has He-Man had a chance to eliminate Skeletor? Yeah. He has him at his mercy then. He's like buried under rubble. And he's, Skeletor convinces him that's the end. Like, well, I think neither of us have any more fight in us today. And that's enough for He-Man to go, you know, like, agreed and like sheathe the sword. <laughs> and when the thing is, He-Man walks away and Skeletor shoots at his back and He-Man like nonchalantly deflects it behind his own back. You know, so yeah. like Skeletor, you'll never learn, right? <laughs> but anyway, when, when He-Man does then just leave, Skeletor emerges from the rubble. And it turns out that his power-up from the crystal permanently changed him. That with the crystal destroyed, he's the only one that has this big power-up. So his form is different. Those dark sockets only lasted for most of this episode. And now he's got red eyes with black pupils. Huh. But... Furthermore, he looks like a very clunky transformer now. <laughs> His cape is gone. He's covered in more armor. He's got like a skull-shaped breastplate. Oh, I wonder if this is um, either closer to the action figure or a variant action figure. Maybe a variant? Like, I don't know. He, he looks like he looks laser blasting Skeletor or something like that. Yeah, he looks a little worse than he had before. Um, See, we're 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 leapfrogging here where I'm like telling you about this, you know, Messiah He-Man emerging from the statue. And you're like, oh, I got to see that. And, and I'm then telling you, you about Skeletor. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, wow, I got to see this new Skeletor. Like, are we <laughs> can we keep this momentum through 65 episodes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Over the year, we'll get through it. Um, I have I have other big notes from the episodes. Yes. OK. Hydron. Threatens a mutant by pulling his knife. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, uh, okay. Karate once again hurts his hand on He-Man's power sword. <laughs> he once again, this time it's He-Man's, uh, uh, He-Man tries to do it. Like Karate chops him and He-Man draws his sword and makes his hand hit it. These are like just things we touched on that are surprising. They come up again. Uh, <laughs> they go to Gorn City for another thing they need. You know, the city on Anibrium. Yeah. And this time, Adam does use his merchant identity to make a trade there. <laughs> I know, right? And in fact, he meets Meliok and addresses him by name. He's like, Meliok! And he says, yes, I am. But how do I know you, stranger? Oh, <laughs> he good. He has to say, like, oh, He-Man told me about you. <laughs> well, at least they... Okay, okay. They could have easily forgotten about that, but... Right. But, like, yeah, it, Seemed like such a no-brainer to have used his identity in the first place, but... Well, it's like I said. I mean, he yeah. couldn't be Adam in front of Hydron and Flipshot and Kaz. Right, right. Um, yeah, you know, actually, they did keep that integrity for that scene. He, he has a moment where he feels like he has to change into He-Man, <laughs> and he's about to reveal his identity, but a stranger comes and uh, helps him out. 
<laughs> a a character that has like uh, four arms, an extremely mm. long torso, and is like all abdomen, just abs for days that even like <laughs> go down to his crotch. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I imagine he's a toy like you, you mentioned Modulock. I imagine he's something like that. Um, oh, maybe. I didn't investigate it further, but yeah, I I have a hard time believing that the new He-Man series um, would make alternate styles of action figure like that. Hmm. Right. By the by the way, just this seems like a good point to mention it. Yeah. As I'm now older, I'm starting to get really annoyed with the term action figure. You mean as opposed to being a uh, saying the embarrassing doll? Yeah, it's like, it's clearly a doll. And it's like, this was something that was, you know, I learned about this in some like social studies or something back in like, I don't know, sixth grade, Mm -hmm. like with my teacher being like, you know, these things that you call action figures, they're really just dolls, right? They just don't want to call them dolls because that sounds like a girly thing. They just came up with this word action figure to make them sound less girly. So the boys would like them. And now here I am. 30 years later. And every time I think of the word action figure, I'm like, it's, it's really, what is the difference between, especially when it's a figure that doesn't do any action? Yeah. I've heard, I've heard some people say one distinction is rooted hair. Is it sculpted or rooted? Mm. Ken has sculpted hair. You know, a thing about that, that I hadn't really considered, like I always want the sculpted hair because I want it to look like the cartoon and the, the rooted hair never does. Mm. Uh, but I was watching Jenny Nicholson and she was talking about My Little Pony, a, a uh, conspicuous toy for, you know, for the hair not matching the cartoon when it's rooted. Yeah. And she mentioned that you know, her perspective was, it's not for you. Little girls play patterns tend to be that they like to brush the hair of their dolls, which I thought, like, well, uh, yeah, I guess so. Mm. Anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. There isn't much more to say about New Adventures of Heme. I only got to episode eight, so. Oh, okay. Well, uh, only eight. <laughs> yeah, I know. So I know. you've only you've only doubled the amount that you were forced to watch. Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, maybe even like eight more than most diehard He-Man fans. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, me. Right. Um. And before we go any further, I guess we got to address the real elephant, which is Masters of the Universe Revelation. I did watch it. I have not. Okay. I guess we'll let's let's come back and reconvene on that next week. All right. I do. I do intend to watch it. Are the episodes half hour or hour long? Uh, there's five of them, and I believe they fit at least closely into that kind of 21 minute. Okay. Range. I was just curious because there was only five, and I thought, is there only five because they're long, or is no, there it's five? Easy to watch. Be- it's pretty. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna try to blast through that tomorrow. Hmm. Um, but I guess for now, oh, did I, you know, I'm, hmm? I'm, I'm all, I'm all Swiss cheese in the head. I, I got to, uh, make a correction too, from a prior episode. Okay. Uh, where we talked about new adventures of He-Man. So <laughs> I mentioned, uh, Venus Terzo doing a voice in it and oh, then leading right. to a voice workshop I did. Yes. You know, the thing is I've, I've never even met Venus Terzo. It's Kathy Wiesluck who hosted that workshop. Hmm. I think she's one of the robots on the show. Or maybe she's Kaz. Anyway, um, uh, it's hers. They have a, like a Rama connection, but it's not Venus Terzo. It's Kathy Wiesleck. I thought I should make that correction. You know, I did some voiceover training in the late 90s, and hmm. one of my many teachers was Matt Hill, okay. who he, I was like, okay. And he, you know, he showed his resume, like what a resume looks like for a voice actor. Mm-hmm. And... That is how I learned that he was the voice of Captain N, the Game Master. Oh, boy. So I have had voice actor training from Captain N, the Game Master. Yeah, arguably a higher pedigree than mine. (laughs) Well. mm. All right. Well, why don't we get to the meat of stuff here? Let's talk about Wolf Walkers from 2020, directed by Tom Moore and Ross Stewart. Yeah, our third movie and our second about kids who turn into wolves. Amazing, isn't it? (laughs) Um, But not to get too far ahead. Let me just give, first of all, this movie is worth watching. 
Um, we'll get into it later, and we'll probably get into some spoilery stuff. So there's a warning for you. If you want to watch this movie, which is something that I recommend at least, I don't know about Micah, but mm. I recommend it, probably do that before you listen to too much of this. I'm going to give a little brief kind of like a setup synopsis. Not, you know, I'm not going to describe the whole movie. I'm just going to kind of say, you know, describe how the movie kicks off, sort of like I did with a goofy movie. And then we'll probably talk about some spoilery stuff. So be warned. But to to whet your appetite, here's here's kind of the setup of the movie. Ahem. We are in Kilkenny, Ireland in the year 1650, and the town is beset by wolves. The English rule over Ireland at this point, and Lord Protector Oliver Cromwell has decreed that the forest surrounding the town must be clear-cut to make room for farmland, and the rampant wolves filling the forest to the brim must be destroyed. That is the job of the expert hunter and English import Bill Goodfellow, and his daughter Robin is eager to help with the hunt. But of course... Hunting wolves is no job for a young girl, especially in Christian 1650. But Robin sees it differently, and she cannot be discouraged from sneaking out to follow her father and try to help with his hunt. But when she finally encounters a wolf attacking a farmer's sheep, she is unable to actually slay the animal and instead accidentally injures her own falcon, Merlin. Robin is then chagrined to see a strange red-furred wolf make off with Merlin. And that kind of kicks off the, the multifaceted meat of the story, which involves Robin's place in this society, Bill struggling with his duty versus his family, uh, Oliver Cromwell's war against the wolves, kind of as a proxy for his effort to quell the rebellious, rebellious Irish. Hmm. And we can't forget, this movie is also about wolfwalkers, who are mythical people who are supposed to live with the wolves and can talk to the wolves and maybe even become wolves themselves. So we'll find out about that as you watch the movie. Right. Uh, one thing, though, is that it's on Apple TV. So. Oh, I OK. I got a story about this. OK. I mean, I was I was going to get into this later, but since you brought it up, here we go. Yeah. Um, in our very, very first episode, when we mentioned Wolfwalkers and we mentioned it was on Apple TV, and I, I can't remember if I edited it out or not, but I think I said... I think you left it in. Th ...that I had, like, a trial of some kind from Apple TV yeah. that I got when I got an iPhone. And I was thinking maybe I should activate that and watch this. Shortly after we decided to watch this movie, like, the next day... I got an email from Apple saying that my free trial was almost over and I was going to start being charged $5.99 a month from now on. Ah. So I was like, oh, I activated it? Okay, well, I guess I better watch Wolfwalkers then. Okay. So here's what I did. I First, I checked iTunes. Now, iTunes has a movie and TV store, and I have previously bought a movie from there. Uh... But I could not find, and this is, this Wolfwalkers is a part of Apple TV Plus. Uh, and I couldn't find the Apple TV Plus section in iTunes, if there is one. So then I thought, okay, well, Netflix and most other streaming services have a browser uh, version. So let me take a look. And I found it. There is an Apple Plus browser version. But get this. The Apple TV Plus browser version doesn't have a search function huh it just has carousels of thumbnails like you know netflix would have like you know family entertainment drama recently added you know those things where you can like flip through what's there right so you can it has carousels like that that you can flip through but if the thing that you want to watch like for example wolfwalkers is not in any of those carousels Mm -hmm. There is no way to search for it. Huh, At you least can't Google I... it and then be led to the exact <laughs> Apple TVs. <laughs> I suppose. I... And the thing is, on the like on the the Apple TV page where it's like you know, there's a link to the Apple TV Plus section. Mm -hmm. Wolf Walkers is one of the thumbnails that's 
advertising how cool it is. Oh, man. So then I thought, well, there's probably an Apple TV app that I could download onto my computer, but I'm not going to do that for something that I'm going to cancel tomorrow. Yeah. So I went into my Apple TV app on my phone, which does have a search function. And I watched this movie on my phone (laughs) because their friggin' browser version doesn't have a search and Apple TV plus is apparently not integrated with iTunes, even though the other videos that I have purchased, like I can, I can watch, um, Monty Python's meaning of life on my phone or on iTunes, but I can't watch Apple TV on iTunes. So I guess what you're saying is that the easiest way to watch this movie is to catch a flight to the Toronto International Film Festival. Or find some seedy website. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's a crime, right? Because Cartoon Saloon is so cool, and yet I yeah. think they've cut their viewership in half. Man, because this is, I mean, you can sort of understand it because this is the kind of thing that Apple TV needs as like a, oh, you can, if you subscribe to our service, you can get cool stuff like this. And, you know, there's that half of it, but from the half of you, from the half of it that just wants to watch this friggin' cool movie, it's like, oh man, it's stuck in this thing that isn't worth it for any other reason. I think it's chicken and the egg paradox too, because I think most kids aren't seeing these movies. So it's not mm. like it's not like Apple saying we have Pixar the only ones and everyone flocks there. It needs the exposure to get famous enough to be a draw. I can tell you that Apple TV really wanted me to watch Snoopy. <laughs> All right. And Ted Lasso. I don't know what that is, but Well, anyway, yeah, yeah. it is a shame that it's stuck in Apple TV. Um if you yeah. can if you can find some other way to watch it, great, but um I don't know. Maybe you can just rent it from iTunes. I'm not sure. I wish. So this 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 movie, getting <laughs> yeah. back to Wolfwalkers, yeah. it's part of the Celtic triptych of mm-hmm. Cartoon Saloon and director um, Tom Moore that includes uh, The Secret of Kells and Song of the Sea. I think this of the three of them has the most conventional plot. Okay. And that might be why it won the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature, or at least it was a boost in its favor. It was nominated. It didn't win. Didn't it win? Soul won. Oh, right. That's just wishful thinking, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, I haven't seen Soul, so I couldn't say, but... Right, right. It's got, it carries forth some of that art style, and, you know, all of those movies uh, involve the uh, other director, Ross Stewart. Yeah who was like a concept artist and uh, a designer in them. So I'm sure you noticed it in here that uh, sometimes uh, elements didn't conform to regular perspective rules. Oh yeah. Like the, um, there's a very frequent shot of showing like the edge of the forest that looks out over the town, but the town isn't like flat in the distance. It's like, it's like you see the hill and the forest, and then instead of the sky, there's like a top-down view of the square-walled city. Yeah, it's funky. It is, and it's cool. I love the way this movie looks. Mm. This might this might be the best-looking thing we have reviewed on this show. Certainly the most stylish. Yes. Yeah, like, okay, so... At first, I was looking at all of the uh, uh, the characteristics of the animation. Like, sometimes it's quite sketchy. So you'll see all the construction lines and the like. Especially when they're wolves. Yes, that's the link. Like, so, uh, I, I watched an interview with both directors. And they, uh, with the Toronto International Film Festival. Um, and they had mentioned that they tried to separate the town uh, with all its angularity and its uh, replication of elements. Yeah. From the wilderness and the wolf walkers, which are very sketchy. Yeah, for sure. Interesting you mentioned that. Like, I hadn't thought about it, but y- yeah, the even in the people, like, you see, mm. like, the square tips of the fingers and, like, angular jaws and things like that. Whereas right. the, the wolf walkers are very round. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, they're almost circles with their, right, right. their hair. Maeve's big round head. 
Yeah, I guess yeah. for the sake of, you know, explaining things here, the, the characters involved here are Mabe, who is a little girl who is the wolf walker. She can turn into a wolf and her mammy, who I don't think has a name, at least one. She does. Not one it's Maul. Maul? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, so the, they are the wolf walkers. And like, they also know that the, the town, they wanted to uh, take inspiration from the woodblock print propaganda of the era. Okay. And that's another reason for why they have this element that you've mentioned liking in pre, uh, previous episodes where the color doesn't align perfectly with the lines. Yeah. That's another reason why they purposefully do it in this. Yeah. They, like you said, very stylish. Um, you'll see there are moments like of anger and stuff where all of a sudden like the shadows become like drawn in harsh lines, not even just the shadows, like outlines of characters and everything. Like it's not like they're smooth ink lines filled in with color. They become like really harsh, jagged, like, like, like viciously ripped pencil lines around right. the character that wasn't just a second ago. Like mm. the, the mood of what's happening is conveyed in the way that the characters are drawn, which is really cool. How'd you like the uh, wolf vision? That was neat. Um, yeah. It's animated in a different style. Um, I couldn't quite pinpoint what kind of style, style it is. It's sort of like... Um, it's kind of like each frame was drawn completely in pencil. Yeah. It's weird. It, it's like it's like it's black light for a lot of it. But yeah. like there's highlights of the sense of things whirling around or sometimes the uh, shock waves, the, the sound waves rather, because, uh, you know, in wolf form, they have heightened uh, sense of smell and hearing. But their vision is dulled, I guess. Right. Which is why everything looks a little bit more uh, monotone. Yeah, it's, I suppose. Yeah. And but sometimes sometimes it's even animated at a lesser frame rate, which I thought was interesting, too. That's true. Yeah. Hmm. But yeah, it's like it's a really cool, you know, playing with the different. It, this is what I said in uh, Cool and Dark, where it looked like there was like different kinds of animation in certain areas of it. Mm -hmm. And that you see that here, too, where not everything is animated the same way. Like, like you said, mm -hmm. seeing when they're seeing from the wolf's perspective, there's a different style of animation when you're. Um, when the mood changes, the way things are drawn, it's, it's playing with the idea that there are different ways to render things and mm -hmm. using that to, um, display different moods and forms of the characters in a way that not a lot of animation does. A lot of animation just like it decides this is going to be a computer animated movie and it all looks the same through the whole movie. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is like, no, there's lots of different ways to animate things. Let's use them. It's funny. Uh, the primary method of animation in this, in this, though, is what's become the primary, primary method you'll see in most cartoons today, where it ends up being, I think this actually is Flash, but that sort of object-oriented uh, reuse of assets kind of animation, you know, yeah. that you see in Teen Titans Go and, well, everything, really. Yeah. Uh, but I think you could say that this distinguishes itself stylistically, but also in the same sense that people used to distinguish uh, pure cell animation, the difference between what you saw on television and what you got in the theaters, or whether or not what you saw in theaters was uh, down to the level of a television animation, would be the criticism, yeah. right? Right. No, you're right. Um, it disguises the fact that it's flash, let's call it, uh, really well. I, um, because there are parts, boom. but anyway, yeah, yeah. But yeah, there are parts of it that are like, like, um, I'm thinking there's a scene in the end where, um, Maeve is quite, um, anxious and mm -hmm. sad. And she's like, like the way that she's like moving and kind of panicking and like panting and like, it's, it's animated so beautifully. Like, right. and that's, I mean, that's just, you know, that's kind of the wolf thing that I mentioned where, or, or that we mentioned, you know, anything natural just flows so smoothly. I like how they 
they'll depict the pack of wolves. Sometimes it'll just be this one big black blob that kind of right. moves as a big unit. Right. And sometimes they'll all coordinate to be like a stained glass window emblem, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They'll all be in a circle or something, or they'll all be, uh, have like a, a Celtic image, a Celtic uh, design of like, converging to one single point. Yeah. Actually, I was, I was watching this with Raven and that was her favorite thing in this thing was the uh, regular old wolves. She liked looking at them in the background, all their goofy faces. Yes, their their faces are so cartoony. It's very yeah. <laughs> cute. It's like it's like that's the comic relief. Um, yeah, it's like all this drama, and it's like just look at these wolves. Like yeah, even the if the, the people of Kilkelly are also pretty stupid, but yeah, they are too. Yes, but yeah, like it's it's actually pretty remarkable to see these wolves like with all these serious stuff going on around them. And then the mm. wolves that are supposed to be the big dangerous threat are just these goofy tar- cartoon guys that look like, you know, they look like cartoon dogs, you know? Right. Speaking of though, do you know that meme about the difference between boy dogs and girl dogs in cartoons? Uh, possibly. So the girl dogs always look very elegant and the boy dogs have huge noses. <laughs> okay, yeah. It kind of comes through here, too, that uh, <laughs> the, the girl dogs in this, the girl wolves get to uh, look kind of elegant. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you mentioned, like, about Maeve's look. And uh, I like Maeve. She's so, she's so short, squat, and round. Yeah. And her virtual eyebrowlessness. And her mother, too, Maul's got basically no eyebrows. Uh, and then the girl's dirty feet. Yeah. And then like, she's also got some dirt extending from her nose up to her forehead. And you think about it, it's like, oh, it's because even as a human being, she still kind of has a wolfish instinct to like push her nose and smell things. And yeah, yeah, that's, that's why true, she's yeah. dirty there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. There's there's lots of little wolf like there's a shot where she's sitting on a like branch, basically, and she's mm-hmm. waiting and her hair, like her hair is this big giant like teardrop shape that's bigger than the rest of her body. Right. And as she's sitting there waiting, you can see underneath the branch, the tapered tip of her hair just wagging back and forth like a tail. Right. Right. <laughs> awesome. And even sometimes when she's darting around, when she's being super agile, yeah. she's just like a form of hair going. Yeah. Like when she goes into the distance a little bit, like if she's yeah. not in the absolute foreground, sometimes she'll, they'll just animate her as a, a little teardrop of hair bouncing around, which why not? Yeah. You should, if you watch the secret of Kells, there's a hmm. similar sort of like uh, uh supernatural creature named Ashling. Mm-hmm. And she, her hair is also like a part of her movement. So mm. it's kind of like uh, a skill they've got at the studio. Yeah. There's, they do really like, there's a scene early on where, um, Mabe and Robin are talking and Robin is like idly brushing Mabe's hair. Mm. That whole sequence is so like everything just kind of flows like water from one thing to the next. That whole sequence, it's beautiful, even though they're just talking. Yeah. And you know, I like Robin, too. I like her kind of uh, lanky, long body. Yeah. And her hair is her hair is interesting, too, that it gets disheveled so much. It's very angular when she's proper, you know, like it's kind of yes. square. Yeah. Um, and then it kind of falls apart, which, which, you know, goes into that angular city versus round country thing. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, how old do you think these girls are? Hmm. That's really hard to say. Um, I know. It In the end, it doesn't really matter. No. Um. But, I mean, she's... She's kind of interacting with some street boys who mm-hmm. I would say have to be no older than 10. Um, and for her to be interacting with them, I assume she must be a similar age. I looked it up on the website and they say 12 to 13 for both of them, which okay. is older than I would have guessed. Maybe a little bit. Yeah. Funny if it, uh, maybe for both, but at least for Maeve's voice actress cast younger. Usually it's not that way. Usually it's the other way around where they're a little older than the age they're portraying. Yeah. You know, I I really like accents from this part of the world. 
Yeah. I was, <laughs> there was a time when I, uh, was watching a, a British soap opera. I can't remember mm. what it was called now. It's like, n- uh, I don't know, whatever. But anyway, I just watched it because I loved the accents. I think it was a, yes. um, I think it was a Yorkshire accent involved. Okay. And so I went into this thing and like, Ooh, these Irish accents are going to be so fun to listen to. Mm. I was kind of disappointed when Robin turned out to be English. Oh and, yeah. And, um, and her father, her father, by the way, voiced by Sean Bean. Yes. You'll just have to watch the movie to see if he dies. <laughs> I was, you know what? I was yeah. afraid the entire time. <laughs> 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 every time yeah. anything remotely dangerous, every time he's a, a, encountering a wolf, I'm like, oh, is this the part where... <laughs> <laughs> oh, he could fall off that thing. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the voice acting overall, I think, and this is pretty good. And I think they really do clean it up for an international English-speaking audience. Yeah. Uh, I know what you mean about, you know, half the charm of watching a lot of things is just for those accents, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, for, for the record, Mabe does have an Irish accent, so I was... I was pleased with oh, that. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. And at the end, they, uh, she even gets to say to, uh, oh, I guess I'm saying at the end, but uh, she, gets, she, she says to um, Robin, Mulcara, which is like uh, Celtic for my friend. Yeah. Or at least Irish for my friend. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty neat. Um, well, I guess we haven't really talked about the villain of this. Mm. The, the Lord Protector Oliver Cromwell. Yeah. Who's not named in this movie. No. But if you just think about it, it's obviously him. It's... <laughs> I... Mm, well, I can't really... Say. Let me see. The way that his story ends, I was yeah. thinking like, I'm pretty sure that's not how Oliver Cromwell's story ended. It isn't. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he's, you know... The Irish and English have a complicated history, or at least it's complicated in the sense of the Irish being oppressed by the English for most of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was, you, you know, there's that aspect is here with uh, Cromwell. He's the English overseer who has to get these Irish under his feet. And um, the when they mention Wolfwalkers, he kind of dismisses it as like pagan storytelling or pagan myths or something. Right. Like, it's like, now get that, you know, this is a Christian country. Now you get this, you know, all your weird fairy tales that aren't part of the Christian doctrine have no place here anymore. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I, it, it was, it was neat, you know, his, he's, I mean, on the base level, he's a villain because he wants to hurt the wolves that everybody loves, or at least right. you, the audience, loves. But, yeah. you know, when you think about it in the in the politics of England and Ireland in that era, the, and, and the religious politics of that era, like, there's a deeper meaning behind everything that he's doing. You know, he prays quite frequently. He's, yeah. you know, everything he does is in God's name. You know, I... I don't think there's a really heavy-handed indictment of Christianity in this. There is not. And if you saw this kind of character in a cartoon, there'd be a tendency to want to portray him as a hypocrite. Yeah. But he's not in this. He's He, he is who he thinks he is. You yes. Know, he, he is who he portrays. I like even, even when he gets to see true pagan magic, he's unflappable. He's still ardent to his cause, you know? He's the best kind of villain, which is a villain who thinks he's right. Now, he's, you know, obviously he wants to do some bad stuff. Yeah. And, and you know, you could argue, like, he thinks he's the hero. And right. it's not, a lot of times when a villain thinks that they are the hero it's easy to say, well, he's clearly not. And in this, I mean, you know, we have seen the side, we've seen the side of the wolves that he hasn't. And so we Mm -hmm. know why he is wrong. But if you look at it from his perspective, he doesn't know that the wolves aren't just 
um, dangerous animals. As far as he knows, like he's there is like I there are way too many very dangerous animals here that are threatening the people that I am uh, supposed to protect and I need to deal with this. And also, I'm a Christian. Well, and he's absolutely harsh and he's hated by the Irish who are there, though. So, well, yes, that's true. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Irish were going to hate him anyway, but but that's what I mean. Like, he's not. We can disagree with what he is doing, but at the same yeah. time, you don't you don't see it as like an absolute, you know, um, Darth Vader, Emperor Palpatine style. Oh, they're just evil for the sake of being evil. Yeah, like there's there's he actually has convictions in his beliefs like he believes sure. We we know more of the story than he does. And we are also, you know, he's like you said, unflappable. Yeah, he is. He is a faithful Christian and a uh, a a loyal Englishman. And he's going to see that through to the end. I think the real life Cromwell is still uh, fairly venerated by English society. The only thing I remember about Oliver Cromwell is that he was. He was di- he died, yeah, and was then years later like posthumously tried for treason, yes. and I think his like his body was exhumed and decapitated, and then like <laughs> his like head was displayed on a pike like years after he had died, just for the sake of you know exacting punishment on him. Yeah, but I think the uh, there's a generally. Um, positive outlook, especially I think among the older, older English. Possibly. Yeah. I mean, I, we are way out of our depth here. (laughs) Yeah. I guess so. (laughs) Anyway, in this good villain and he's smart too. Yeah. Yeah. So other aspects of this, um, oh, here's, here's a funny thing. Robin, whether, well, Robin is able to slip through the bars of the portcullis at the uh, the gate of Kilkenny. Yes. Now, as a child yourself, or with any child, you know, when whether back in the day or now that you're an adult, when you're with a child and some cartoon character is behind bars, invariably they say, why don't they just squeeze through the bars? Because, <laughs> you know, just for reasons of uh, visual fidelity, they draw the bars wide enough apart that you can see the character, but obviously the character could just slip through them. In this, she does. <laughs> I think that might, I, I know I've seen that somewhere else before. It might be Adventure Time. Yeah. Where someone is in, like, Finn is in prison or something. And, like, yeah. it, they're just having a conversation. And at some point, he decides that it's time to go. And so he just walks through the bars and leaves. Uh, that's funny. In this, it's not a joke, but it was still kind yeah. of, it was good to see. Uh, something that came to my mind as you were saying that, like, I started to wonder if this is what you were going to bring up. Because I didn't think about it until you were talking about it. Yeah. Uh, she also slips through the bars of the portcullis. Uh, um, oh, the uh, drain? You're talking about? Mm, well, the no, I, drain? I, just, I just realized oh. that what I was about to say is kind of a spoiler. Oh, okay. So I won't. But um, yeah, there was something else. I'll, I'll tell you later. But there was something else in the, that made me think of. Like, a, let's say another time that she slipped through that portcullis that maybe indicated that the portcullis wasn't... Uh, I, um, I about stumbled on it, too. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, there's another thing. Uh, the Englishmen are all kind of monolithic, right? The soldiers? Yes. They all look the same guy in a breastplate and a, and a helmet, right? Yes. Um, now, this has bugged me before in movies. I think Braveheart was the worst one, where <laughs> every Englishman's helmet, again, in the, again, the English... Uh, was only there to hide a visual effect where somebody would hit him on the head and then blood would shower out of his helmet, right? (laughs) To the point where you wonder, like, why are they even wearing a helmet when every club just blasts their head to pieces, clearly, right? (laughs) Right. Uh, In this, the helmets of the English soldiers are just things to bounce off of. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I didn't keep track, but I imagine it might reach as high as ten or even more. The number of times that a wolf jumps off of a English soldier's helmet. <laughs> I swear, Maeve was getting one ups 
off the number of elements <laughs> you're addressing. <laughs> you're not wrong. Um, I have to think that they did some research into these helms because they have a weird face mask thing that's like a weird grate that I've never yeah. seen before. And I have to imagine that that's there because they did their research into what helms of that era looked like. Right, right. Because they serve no other purpose. Hmm. Did you think that there should have been more violence in this? Or do you think that they skirted I, around enough? I was worried about violence the whole time. I was worried about what wolves were going to get killed. Um, right. You know, I was worried about when Sean Bean was going to die. Um, <laughs> I think I was I was worried that, you know, there was a there's a big wolf who was captured. And I was worried that she was going to be simply killed. Um, right. And but good reasons in the story for why that doesn't happen. right? Oh, away. yeah. And I think the fact that it doesn't like the fact that there's I don't think well, I, I won't say it, but like. There's there's a lack of deaths in this that kind mm. of makes the fear of the deaths happening a little stronger because mm. you sort of think you've seen this happen enough, you know, where there's oh, there's cute animals and good guys in a movie. Surely one of them has to die tragically. Oh, and as things got dire, didn't you feel like maybe there could be an unhappy ending in this? Like for real, you kind of yeah, feel yeah. it in your gut. Yeah. And that's because they draw it out. Like it's not, you know, the wolf, you know, there were no wolves got killed early on. So you're like, Oh, they're not afraid to do that. It's like, but also you're like, will they do it? And the whole time mm. you're thinking, surely they can't resist killing at least one wolf at some point. Right. And the longer it goes, you're like, it, it's more and more scary. Like, when is this, when are they going to kill a wolf? Right. And it, it affects you that like, it affected me a little bit, like, you know, the whole time, like, there's the, the kind of battle thing at the end where I'm like, there's no way that they can get out of this without some of these wolves being collateral damage, which would be a shame. <laughs> um, Don't really I, care about those English soldiers. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. We don't get to learn it. We get to, the wolves have personalities. We got to, uh, we got to know them <laughs> through the course of, like, that musical montage. <laughs> yeah. I guess I have one other note here. This is just me. Uh -huh. But, okay, so there's a woodcutter who gets pilloried in this, gets put, like, into the stockade. Yes. And then also uh, Maeve's mom, Maul, is in an endless sleep for most of the movie. Yes. And I'm thinking, well, obviously they pooped, right? <laughs> so I think, I think Maeve uh, helps her out, right? And then I tried to look this up. I didn't, I didn't look very far. But I wondered, if you're in the pillory, right, if you're, if you're in the stockade, is does somebody change your britches? Hmm. Right, like that that guy gets uh, fed, and that's kind and all, but yeah, I guess I just never really thought about how long a person would be in a stockade. Yeah, because he's in there for a few days, and then I fancied that maybe you you know what a gong farmer is? Mm, not off the top of my head. A gong farmer is someone whose job is to empty the latrine. Okay. So they have to gather up all that muck and carry it out of town and then drop it off, which if they'd shown them in this movie would give wolves another perspective to like have some really bad feelings toward these humans. Yeah. And especially when you can see the smell. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wondered maybe if gong farmers have like a little thing, a little last task where they have to empty the britches of everybody in the stockade. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wonder if Maul is just pooping in her wolf form. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Huh. I, yeah. I guess also, she's not eating while she's sleeping, right? That's true, too. So maybe you're right. Maybe you're, you solved that. <laughs> she, I can't explain the stockade man, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's a joy too, though his uh, constant positivity. Yeah, yeah, he's fun. I I like him. I like that. There's, you know, it's and you know he's he's an Irish guy, and it's also nice that he's nice to this little English girl, because there is yeah. some discrimination against the English. Yeah. Oh, you know, actually, I got one other thing that I think I like quite a bit. Uh huh. Is uh, uh, Robin's crossbow? Yeah. It's it's 
there's no winch or anything or not even uh, like a lever. She just straight up pulls the string. Yeah. And I was wondering if they disregarded the pull weight of a crossbow. And I think, no, her crossbow is just kind of weak because uh, her father, Bill, his crossbow, he takes considerable effort. Again, he pulls it only, right? But it's got still. the little, it's got the little foothold thing on the front of it too. Yes. Yes. He sets it down and, you know, uses his, he's a giant man, right? He uses his considerable yeah. strength to pull that string up. I like that they did that detail. Yeah. Yeah. Little baby starter crossbow for Robin. Yeah. <laughs> well, she, it's, it establishes that she helped him hunt in England. Right. It's just kind of here where there are more restrictions on children. You know, they're not allowed outside the ca- the city walls and she's supposed to be in the scullery. Yeah. And also there's real monsters out here. Well, yeah, that too. So I think resoundingly positive. I love this movie a lot. I like mm. the, I think if I was, if I had seen this movie around the time that I originally saw the Lion King, mm. oh, forget about it. I would have. Oh, in I comparison been, to the Lion King. I would, I don't even know about in comparison, but like, I would have been obsessed with this movie back then. Like this, you know, as I was, you know, my, my furry DNA was just starting to bubble up. <laughs> Again, the shame of it. There are tons of kids who need to see this movie and become furries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the next generation needs to, you know, this is how it happens. And it's stuck behind this weird paywall. If you haven't canceled your Apple yet, you should uh, check out at least Song of the Sea. Hmm. I think I have two days left. Yeah, I recommend checking at least Song of the Sea. Secret of Kells is not as good, but it's still pretty interesting. All right. Okay. And then the breadwinner, I don't know. I haven't seen it. All right. Well, I'll look into that, I guess. But for now, so yeah, overwhelmingly positive. Love this movie. Try to find it if you can. Um, and, you know, we all understand if you can't. But, you know, Apple, yeah, whatever. Um, but that's it for this di- uh, episode. And now we got to start on the next episode. Uh, next episode is our 20th episode, which is, you know kind of a milestone a milestone yeah and uh you had the pretty smart idea of doing a second helping show where we watch more of something that we already watched yeah uh and yeah i you know selfishly one that i want to watch more of and talk a little bit more about mm-hmm. is is little shop okay um can you watch I just picked an episode at random. I haven't watched it yet. Um, I just oh. kind of looked at the list and went, uh, let's watch this one. I think it's okay. called I Loathe a Parade. I might have seen. Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, that's the thing I was worried about, because I know that you've seen more of it. But that's the one that I just pulled out of nothing. OK, you know, what? I I had thought you would pick a little shop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> OK, for you, we are. Delving back into Hulk Hogan's rock and wrestling. Oh, boy. Yeah, even great that you mentioned it earlier. Um, <laughs> Twice. Or at least at least the Hulkster, yeah. The episode I want you to watch has Captain Lou's Crash Diet <laughs> and Muscle Madness. <clears throat> muscle Madness. <laughs> All right. Yeah. That sounds fine. So there we go. We're going to watch more Little Shop. We're going to watch more Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. I wonder if Rock and Wrestling is on the WWE's network thing on Peacock. Uh, as I understand it, it was, but then Hulk shut it down. <sighs> okay. Anyway, that's it for this week. Uh, thank you very much for listening. We appreciate all of you. Let us know if you want us to watch something, because we'll do it. Uh, and let us know if you have any feedback. Let us know if you find a way to watch Wolfwalkers. Uh, I am on Twitter at AC Matsy. And I'm at Drab Swatch on Twitter. Now, the gate resoundingly drops shut behind you. You're in a vaulted torchlit chamber with an open archway to the west. To the north is an ogreish idol presenting a bowl of bubbling gray muck. Runes are inscribed on the base of the idol. If you go through the archway... Turn to 339. If you slake your thirst with a drink of muck, turn to 47. If you have the eyepiece of Exenterok, you may decipher the runes and record on your character bookmark under the Celery Stalker's slogan. How can you?
stands living in there. All the smells. Ugh. And turn to 194. 